What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, keeping the train on the tracks, one of those nights in college basketball where the final seconds keep going the wrong way over and over. Duke lands on the auto-fade list. How could there be a price that's worth paying for Coach K's outfit? given Monday's performance. Then it's let's do that hockey with a pair of good wins and a couple big underdogs that deserve better results. Five hoops plays for Wednesday night and a big one on the ice tonight. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. We'll do a short little episode here on a Wednesday. Get you out of here in a second, but uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Folks, when you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. Why didn't you say that before? <laughs> okay, Jimmy, you're off the hook. Damn you, Smooth Jimmy. Positive night on the ice, but you know when Smooth Jimmy shows up, that means it was a loser of a night. And just one of those nights in college basketball, two and six, and you're sort of going, okay, how does that happen? We're used to kind of, you know, bare minimum, if you will, or I shouldn't say bare minimum, but, you know, when it goes bad, it's usually you know, four and four or something along those lines. And how does two and six happen? Well, you know, how does four and four turn into two and six? How does five and three turn into two and six, right? It starts with betting on Duke for one, uh, up 12 early on in just an com- incredibly good blowout spot against Notre Dame. Again, a team that they've smoked earlier on in the season at Notre Dame, and Duke loses outright. And we just hit a point where, from here on in, it's just mandatory fade the rest of the way for Duke. And you go, you know, how can you just sort of say mandatory fade, you know, kind of doesn't matter what the number is, because there's no price at this point that's going to be low enough. And I thought that we could go, you know, I thought we were hitting the bottom here after the game against North Carolina. But the truth is, we're not, right? This Duke team has shown that they cannot be favored, essentially, against anybody. And, you know, there's going to be games where they put it all together. And because they shoot so many threes that they end up blowing out a team like the Clemson game. But, you know, in looking at the market against North Carolina, you just go, okay, like this, uh, you know, this is just an overrated team at this point, despite the fact that they just keep losing games. And having that number open at minus six and shoot up to seven and a half against Notre Dame should have shown that, like, you know, we're getting closing line value and all of that stuff. Should have been a perfect spot for Duke, but I digress. Uh, not close on Dayton uh, over VCU, and so we're starting our day 0-2, And then it gets rough. Michigan State, minus three, closes minus four and a half. So again, point and a half of closing line value across pretty key numbers. And we thought that might be uh, the difference between a win and a loss as Michigan State has the ball up to going to the free throw line. And of course, missed free throws, goes back the other way. And Penn State, because nobody anymore can just take an open layup, can just drive to the basket to tie the game. And listen, I talk about in the NFL and college football, these teams that are trying desperately to get to overtime instead of win the game. So I understand the percentages. You take a three-pointer and you don't have to deal with overtime. I get it. But when we're talking about ridiculous, you know, two-step 
you know, double step, step back threes to try to win the game, right? Like the Steph Curryization of the of basketball now, where everybody's trying to win the game on the last shot, even if they're down two. Point is, Penn State goes for that three-pointer, and they don't go to try to tie the game, which, of course, would have given us an opportunity to win the game in overtime. So, you know, again, a couple of free throws, one free throw hits, and maybe it's a different story, right? Because one free throw hits, and you get a guy taking that shot, and we end up getting a push out of it. But no, everything that kind of could go wrong does go wrong. And it continues with Kentucky. Kentucky minus one, hit a big shot to go up one. Arkansas gets a shot off, you know, in good enough time for Kentucky to get the rebound and get fouled and then you know again potentially cover this game and Kentucky doesn't get the ball and they foul on the offensive putback attempt and frankly not a foul okay an all ball situation but of course college basketball referees always dying to make a call where there isn't one and Arkansas makes both free throws. Again, not necessarily a guarantee. It was a 60% free throw shooter on the line. He makes them both instead of one out of two, which of course would have bought us an opportunity in overtime. And of course, Kentucky with really just some of the most disorganized last four seconds of a basketball game you'll ever see. And they don't even get a shot off. And then it gets even worse than that with St. John's and Butler. St. John's leading essentially the whole way they are up to with the ball with a dozen seconds left and they turn it over right can't even get to the free throw line like michigan state was able to and they turn it over butler gets the bucket to tie the game go to overtime then we go to overtime and of course butler takes the lead and even then even then you're down three here with st john's and they miss a uh, a free throw and then they get a turnover so they get another chance and they miss a jumper that would have got us to within one and and then subsequently sent butler onto the free throw line and they get the offensive rebound though and they get a three-pointer to tie the game and send it to double overtime and they miss it but they get the offensive rebound though and they get another three-point attempt and they miss that one too so three buckets missed and a free throw in the last 30 seconds and Butler wins by three, and you're just sitting there going like, on a luckier day, and listen, that's what these games come down to, right? These, you know, whether it's free throws, um, just college kids making dumb decisions, like that's the quote-unquote fun of it, if you will, is that there's very few sort of cut-and-dry situations. It just comes down to kind of getting lucky, and when you go 0-3 on these finishes, you're going to end up 0-5 at that point, we end up getting two wins with Kansas State and West Virginia outright, a classic, you know, plus five and a half, plus six spot where the underdog wins outright. We had West Virginia peg. I got to say, this team is looking to get added to our futures portfolio, just kind of looking for a spot where maybe they lose a game. But they certainly have the talent and a couple of big time guys that are difference makers, which is what we're looking for in a team that can move up. Joe Lunardi has them about a five seed right now. I think there's a possibility um, that they can get into a two-three type of a type of a level here with some wins down the stretch. But again, from a buying low standpoint and getting the best price we can, which would ideally be kind of around a thirty to one. Uh, we're going to kind of hope that they actually lose one or two, uh, you know, like a road game. I mean, listen, last night would have been a prime spot for them to lose a game and kind of still be a secret. Uh, but that being said, um, they get the win. And that just goes to show uh, Bob Huggins' team is uh, is got it going a little bit. So as for tonight, uh, Wednesday night, going to tone down the volume a little bit. It's still relatively busy. So I got five plays 
Um, can't help but bet UConn this afternoon, 4 o'clock. Getting James Boknek back, he's their best player by far and um, a real difference maker. The, you know, the market has adjusted a little bit here, moving them from, you know, if he doesn't play, they're probably one to two point underdogs against Providence, a team that, you know, again, they'll probably end up winning this game just to spite me, but a team that we've sort of given up on here. Um, so I'm going to take UConn minus two and a half. It's not the best of the best number here by any means, but I don't know that the market is accurately reflecting the importance of book night on uh, on the Hugon Huskies. Uh, Virginia on the road, minus four against Georgia Tech, right? Sort of, you know, Georgia Tech often a sneaky play, especially as a home underdog. But Virginia has an incredible road record in covering spreads under Tony Bennett. So we're going to kind of ride with that. They're also playing a little bit better basketball, too, than they were earlier on in the season. Actually, a lot better than they were early on in the season. Uh, I'm going to try another road one. Missouri, uh, plus two at Mississippi. Um, big win for Mississippi. Again, looked like they were going to get blown out, down 15 in the second half to Auburn. And they get a game winner at the buzzer and from Devontae Schuler and... You know, tough game to sort of come back from. Again, not like that there's a you know there's a ton of home court advantage here necessarily. And I think Missouri just a much better team. And so we'll take them plus the two on the road. Gonna take a swing with Georgia plus twelve and a half against Tennessee. You're always sort of in the situation where it could very well be a 60 to 40 game here and Tennessee blows them out. But I think Georgia just good enough that that number's a little bit high for me. And on the flip side, number that's a little bit low for me is actually Villanova minus eleven. So you know, not incredible results here for Villanova recently, but, you know, home game against Marquette, uh, a team that I don't think that highly of. Uh, I think this is one where Villanova blows them out uh, and we could see a 20-point win. So um, five games on on the board here for us tonight, um, which I think is more than enough after sort of dealing with the body blows from last night. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Yes, thank you, Laszlo. On the plus side last night, perfectly good night on the ice. Hit the under, which, you know, anytime you get a total correct, uh, I feel like it should be worth double. But hit the under on Chicago-Dallas, under 5.5. That was available on the Action Network previews that I do. Um, And then Calgary closes the night with a victory that, frankly... um, they deserve to absolutely smoke the Jets. And, you know, we talk about the let's do that hockey model and the importance of five-on-five play. Expected goals, five-on-five, high danger scoring chances, five-on-five, et cetera, et cetera. And 12-to-1 for Calgary in on five-on-five high danger chances. 12-to-1. Uh, 1.93 expected goals for to 0.68 for Winnipeg. Um, Winnipeg converts the one high danger. They were one for one. They were 100% in high danger chance conversion last night. And that's what caused this game to be 2-2 going into the third and late into the third. We get a goal from Calgary to get the 3-2 win. So again, a dominant performance, 5-on-5, which is what the model is trying to predict. Who is playing better 5-on-5? And we get that. And it would have been really, really annoying if this game had gone to overtime. But that's what we've seen from these Winnipeg-Calgary matchups in the previous four games, where Calgary is 1-3 and three in these matchups. And in three of the games, they have been the better team 5-on-5, five five, all three of the games, essentially, last week when they met in Winnipeg. So, again, just goes to show, right? Hockey, completely insane. Um, want to talk about Ottawa for a second. Wrote on the Action Network about how, again, as you guys know, I'd be betting Ottawa here 
and except for the goaltending issues. Well, Matt Murray's played much better over the last week, and so it came down to if Matt Murray plays. And listen, they tweeted out that I, you know, that in the article I said it doesn't matter who the goaltender is. But if you read the article, you can see that it, I'm clearly talking about it mattering. Um, you know, I appreciate them sort of tweeting that out, but you know, that's not, you know, wasn't really what I had said. Um, but you could read that in the article, and it's, you know, Hogberg is not an NHL goaltender. He, he just isn't. And so the big question for me going into the game was, are they going to play Matt Murray because he's playing much better and we got to get wins here if we're Ottawa or they're going to end up, you know, 5-52 and 52 at the end of the season here if they're not careful. And they don't. And they turn to Hogberg and sure enough, right, no high danger chance goals for Edmonton. And it's they got three goals on nine non-high danger chances, right? So Edmonton gets seven high danger chances, don't, don't score on any of them throughout the game, uh, but they get three relatively cheap goals on Hogberg, and he's and he gets pulled. And, you know, he gets pulled on three goals on 12 shots. Again, not an NHL goaltender. And Matt Murray comes in and allows them to get back in the game. Game finishes 3-2 to two Edmonton. But he makes, you know, nine saves. And that's the problem with Ottawa is that they can't connect good play from their skaters to good play from their goaltenders. Because if they had skated, you know, if they had played five on five as well as they did last night, you know, to the tune of 10 high danger chances to Edmonton seven, a 2.72 expected goals four to 1.38, right? Essentially doubling uh, Edmonton's uh, expected goals, uh, goals four rate. And if they had just done that the night before when Matt Murray played and played pretty well, they would have won that game. And so it's like, pick one, right? Either the team has to play better or the goalies have to play better and sort of both kind of have to do it at the same time for a team that, you know, again, isn't particularly talented. They have to do that in order to win the games. And so they bring in Murray and he's good. And, you know, maybe if there's another period left in that game, they end up tying the game. You know, who knows? But the point is, is like, good enough in that game from a skating standpoint but they went and they started Hogberg and that's why they lost the game so as for tonight uh one big game out there and it's one that you're not going to be surprised like where we're going with it like what the angle is it's Toronto and it's Montreal here and it's a minus 110 essentially on both sides you know by now you know my ratings and you know I think the general surprise of the hockey world is how good Montreal has been. But my ratings of having them up in like the 28% above average rate at this point, they do not give up high danger chances, right? It's like six a game at this point, four conversions on those high danger chances from the opponent of Montreal. Like that's outstanding. Um, Toronto obviously boosted their rating up in the last three games, pummeling Vancouver and, you know, we've talked earlier in the season about, like, once you've played three games against Ottawa, against their goaltending, your, pro your rating's going to go up because your conversion rate is going to go up. And so, kind of the same thing with Toronto. Like, your high danger chance rate is going to go up because you're getting that many more against the Canucks. 13 in the first game, 14 in the second game. Third game was more evenly played. But they also converted eight over the course of three games. I just said Montreal has only given up four 
for the entire season, and, and Toronto converted eight high-danger chances in those games. So it's sort of a, a movable force uh, and, what is it, irresistible force and an immovable movable object kind of going up against each other here. But at, uh, at the price that it is, where it's at minus 110 flat, essentially, on either side, Listen, this is, a, this is a bet that I'd make at minus 120, minus 125, minus 130. And again, it's not, there's no guarantees, and this isn't sort of a, you know, hammer spot or whatever. But it's one that, you know, I think Montreal's had to have circled on their calendar since the first game of the season, where, you know, I'm not going to say they were the better team necessarily, but they did have, what, a 3-1 to lead in the second period against Toronto in Toronto on opening night. Never since then, right, it's been Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Vancouver, Ottawa, and now they get the, another chance this time at home against Toronto. A one-off before then playing Edmonton for some reason on Thursday and then back for two more in two different locations against Toronto. Just a total mess. But um, at any rate, you know, that's the one play that uh, that I think is worth playing. I mean, there's only two games, and the other one doesn't sort of qualify in our uh, in our neighborhood as, uh, as the Central is off tonight. Um, one last thing. Um, last night's games in the Central talked about Chicago and Dallas going under frankly kind of i don't want to say lucky necessarily but a little bit by accident in that we thought based on obviously reports and you know different websites that say you know the probable goalies and all that kind of thing that anton kudobin was going to play last night he didn't probably another sort of element to his suspension after he um slept through or at least was late for a practice on saturday so he wasn't even on the bench on Sunday against Chicago. This time he was actually on the bench, just didn't start. So Ottinger got the start. Again, more than capable goaltender. And listen, the handicap, as you could read in the action app, um, was a lot more about just the fact that these two teams have been playing a little bit more close to the vest. And then Lankinen back for Chicago. Um, after a pretty good start from Subban on Sunday, obviously in a win, um, Lankinen is a guy is a guy that we're backing pretty pretty heavily here um, until he proves that he's just not good enough, or that the prices adjust, which as I'm looking ahead to Thursday might actually be the case here coming up pretty pretty soon. Uh, but then Chicago ends up getting the win, so again another win for Lankinen. A little bit you know disappointed that we didn't, weren't able to grab the underdog in either of those games. But not going to complain about the victory. Uh, the unit won on under five and a half. Um, didn't play Nashville and Tampa Bay last night. Detroit and Florida is an interesting one in that I, I played it to a half unit because you know you, you win two point one right on on a plus two ten in that first matchup, and you know you don't want to give all of that back the second time around. Talked about that yesterday, but at the same time, if you're going to price it at or around plus 200 for a team that I think is, you know, just as capable, I have to make some kind of a bet there. So with sort of 2.1 units in the pocket, I took 0.6 out and play, and bet on Detroit at, you know, close to plus 200. Two to one game. And, you know, I would do that again. I have, you know, I have no qualms um, backing Detroit against some of these mediocre-ish teams. Uh, really kind of a dull game, 4-2 to two for Detroit in high danger chances, 1.36 to 1.04 in the expected goals category, 5-on-5, five five, and a 2-1 to one game. So again, coin flip type game, Detroit scored first, so you know it was 1-1 one, one at one point, and then of course Florida scored a second, and Detroit had a ton of chances, and give him credit, Sergei Bobrovsky was much better in this game than he has been recently, so obviously sort of a gap in the handicap there in that he was much better 
than we thought he was necessarily going to be. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much it as far as the show today. No reason to sort of yammer on more than that with just a couple of games, well, five games in college basketball and just the one big one in the NHL. So we'll be back tomorrow um, with, again, you know, a few probably college basketball games. Again, Thursdays are kind of dicey, a lot more small conference stuff. Uh, some Pac-12 stuff that we haven't gotten too deep into. Um, but again, more, a lot more hockey going on on Thursday. So looking forward to that. As per usual, subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. Follow along on Twitter at MRussAuthentic. And check out the Action Network Action app for my NHL previews. Until Thursday, uh, we'll see you at the window.